Hello, and welcome to the 46th episode of the LI Law Podcast. I'm your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law, and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. Our guest on this 46th episode is Kenneth C. Henry Jr., Esquire, an attorney in Westbury who concentrates his practice in real estate law and civil litigation. Please check out the show notes for a full description of Ken Henry. Henry's credentials and contact information. Please also keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. Okay, so Ken, please tell us about your background and how you came to concentrate your practice in real estate law. I attended Yale University and then I attended Hofstra University School of Law. And thereafter that, after that, my first job was with a solo practitioner. And in that practice, we did a lot of bankruptcy work. And the bankruptcy work at that time was generally consumer bankruptcies, what we would call a chapter 13, where we would try to save people's houses. And along those lines, we would sometimes have to sell the houses, and that involved real estate. And also at that time, we represented a very small commercial bank, and we did the foreclosures, which again involved real estate and buying and selling real estate, because after we foreclosed, then we would sell that property. And I understand that one of your niche areas of representation is mortgage foreclosure and short sales. So could you please explain to our listeners the differences between those two types of transactions as well as how they both differ from what we would consider a regular real estate transaction? Well, with regards to a mortgage foreclosure, in that case, I'm usually defending the people who own the house who unfortunately haven't been able to make a payment. And there the plaintiff is the bank, the lender who is trying to recoup their loan funds. Is that correct? That's correct. So as a defendant or the homeowner, they should have an attorney represent them to protect all of their rights and to make sure that whatever happens is fair to them. let's, Let's first explain what a mortgage foreclosure is. When does that happen? A mortgage foreclosure happens after a certain amount of time when the homeowner doesn't make payments. And then the bank is required to give certain notices. Depending on the documents, what we call note and mortgage, there might be different notices required. But absolutely, under New York State law, they have to give what we call a 90-day notice. They have to tell the homeowner exactly how much they would have to pay to reinstate, to make the mortgage current again, and they have 90 days to make that payment. So is a foreclosure proceeding uh, geared more toward having the homeowner repay the money or for the bank, the lender, to to take over the property? That's an excellent question. The foreclosure is geared for the bank to take over the property. However, New York State has changed the process to help the homeowner to retain ownership. And, uh, and with that, we have something called a settlement conference, which was never in the law until very recently. And at those settlement conference or conferences, the homeowner will have an opportunity to maybe enter into a loan modification. Okay, well, isn't it really, though, in the best interest of the bank to have the borrower pay the money? Like, why, did, why does the bank want to be Uh, responsible for maintenance and for taxes and for all the other indicia of ownership or or am I wrong the banks don't want to take over that responsibility however 
they have obligations to their investors, their shareholders, to move forward on these foreclosures. And the way they protect their investors or shareholders is to do the foreclosure to get the property back as quickly as possible. And how is a mortgage foreclosure different from a short sale? And what is a short sale? A short sale is when a borrower sells the home or homeowner sells the home for less than the amount that's owed on the mortgage. So could you give us an example? Let's say I purchase a house for $400,000 and I have a $320,000 loan. I put down 20%, 80% as a loan. Well, my property value is going to decrease and as a result, then I'm going to be left holding the bag for the additional money. Is that is that what a short sale is? Well, short sale is complicated. That would be one part. The short sale technically, it doesn't matter how much you paid for the home because your home could have appreciated, but the amount you owe on your note or mortgage, I apologize, those are two words we use interchangeably, could have gone up faster than the value or the value of your home could have dropped. But in essence, it's when the amount that will be paid to the bank will be less than the amount that is owed. If the amount that is owing to the bank is less than what the purchase price would be to a fair market buyer, right? If I'm going to sell my property, but I'm going to get less for the sale than what I owe the bank, what is the reason that the bank would agree to that short sale to receive less funds? That relates directly back to what you said before and what I mentioned with regards to protecting the shareholders because the banks don't want to be holding on to the properties and doing the maintenance and paying the real estate taxes, which on Long Island, as we know, can be very high. So the longer that the bank holds the property, the amount that they're owed will keep increasing, but the amount they could get for the property won't. So ironically, even though they're getting less than the amount they're owed, it's in the bank's best interest. If, in fact, my property sells for less than what I owe, is that difference between what the bank receives and what it should have received under the loan, is that considered imputed income to me? Do I, am I taxed on that? That is a very complicated question, which I tell everyone to go to their tax advisor to get an answer to that because every situation may be different, and they do change the laws on that routinely. So now let's go back to a more basic question of what is the difference between a mortgage and a note? You sort of touched on that before. Let's explain the differences between those two documents. When you go and buy a home, you will sign the note that we talked about before. That's a promissory note, meaning I promise to pay a certain amount under certain terms? That's exactly right. It's your personal obligation to repay back the money that you owe, and in that note will be the amount you borrowed, the interest rate, and the term, how many years you'll pay that over. And what is a mortgage? The mortgage is filed by the bank with the county clerk where the property is located and represents a lien on the property. In very unlawyer-like terms, it represents the property repaying back the amount you borrowed. Because if you don't pay it back, we discussed foreclosures before, the way a foreclosure is started is based on the mortgage. And how does a foreclosure transaction versus a short sale transaction differ from what we would consider a regular real estate transaction where you have a regular seller, regular buyer, kind of straightforward? How does it differ? 
It differs because there's much more work involved when we're working and it, the house is in foreclosure because we have to work both through the servicer, a term we haven't used before, but those are the people that collect the mortgage payments and generally are the ones who are interacting with the borrower with regards to the amounts that are owed. And we also have to work with the bank attorney and we have to get a payoff. While this may seem simple, unfortunately in a foreclosure, it is never simple. And right now I'm waiting for a payoff four weeks. And normally to get a payoff when you're not in foreclosure, it's a process that takes one, two, three days. Mm -hmm. But when there's a foreclosure, multiple considerations have to be made to make sure they're collecting the correct amount. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you is that the four, if I'm correct, the foreclosure and short sale transactions take longer and are much more complex than a regular real estate transaction. That is correct. And they're more complex because the bank isn't getting all the money that is due them. So therefore, there are more considerations made, more processes to determine whether to accept the transaction or not. So it sounds like there are a lot of pitfalls for a homeowner who is in either the foreclosure or short sale situation and it would behoove that person to speak with a lawyer before acting on his or her own and maybe making mistakes. You'd want to speak with the a lawyer because of exactly what you just said. There are not just pitfalls, but there are hurdles to get over and the banks will want certain information sometimes pay stubs, tax returns, before they'll permit a short sale. They want to know that you don't have any other resources to make up for that short sale. On the other side, when you're purchasing a short sale, you still should consult an attorney because as a purchaser, you may be come out to be disappointed because the sale may not get consummated. Oh, interesting. Okay, so let's talk about a, what we would consider a regular real estate transaction, not a foreclosure or a short sale. What are some tips you would have to our listeners who are thinking of buying a house and I, or a condo or a co-op? And I ask you because we are recording at a time when mortgage rates are at historic lows and there are incredible incentives to buyers to buy. So what should they be on the lookout for? Well, they should be on the lookout for the condition of the property. And, and with that, we do what was called a house inspection. House inspectors now in New York State are licensed, and you should have that licensed person go and inspect the house. When do you, when do, you do that? You have a house inspection generally after you make an offer, but before you sign the contract. And you should do your own inspection when you're walking through. Not that I expect the homeowner to be a professional, but we all have lived and we look and we know about different things. And I tell a, a funny story of bring your flashlight because you can't see in those dark nooks and crannies. And you should do the inspection during the day because in daylight it's easier to see everything. And along with bringing your flashlight, you look in the closets and the closet ceilings. Why do I say that? Because if there was a leak in the house, Generally, no one fixes the ceiling in the closet, and that may give you a hint as to a possible condition or a mold condition in the home. And for buyers who are a little confused about all of these different rates and, and how to proceed, is that something that you as an attorney, a real estate attorney, help them with, or are they more on their own for that? I help them with regard to, I encourage them to go to a bank or a mortgage broker to go to those experts. They can, of course, ask me or any attorney generally doing real estate would, would offer help. However, they really have to help themselves in this case. And getting the mortgage and doing a purchase is a full-time job. And I say that 
because no one believes me how much time it takes, but we talked about that inspection. And then when you apply for a mortgage, um, which is time consuming, you have to provide many documents and backups to documents and maybe other information. And that takes a lot of time. And in my experience, sometimes they ask for the same documents multiple times and people get frustrated. But I always say, don't get frustrated. We always just keep moving forward. Right. And I don't know about you. I'm seeing two-month turnarounds from execution of contract until closing, not really much less unless it's an all-cash deal. Are you seeing longer periods of time to close? No, I'm still seeing a a two-month period. And the two months take this long for this reason. One, applying for the mortgage. Two, when you apply for mortgage nowadays, they come back with a document. They call it a commitment. It's really a conditional commitment. And there's multiple other factors. This is what's changed over the last 25 years. So the commitments require you to perform many acts and supply different amounts of information. So that takes time to clear. We use the word clear, the term of art, to give the information to the bank to get rid of or, or accomplish their, that condition. And then we also have to do something called order title or get a title report. And that's been slowed down because the county clerks sometimes take a long time to return information that's requested when we order a title search. And now we're going to move on to a segment we call What is on Your Desk, a matter you can use to illustrate a teachable legal moment to the listeners. So, Ken, what's on your desk? Uh, Going back to purchasing the home, and remember we discussed trying to get over the hurdles and the information that the banks want. Something as simple as the name on the contract has caused a lot of work recently. I prepared the contract, the buyer's attorney looked at the contract, we signed the contract, we put everyone's names in there, and then the bank says, well, the name of the contract is different than the name that was given to them, only by an initial, which now requires us to change the contract. We use the term of art, amend. We do another one-page document where we'll have to amend the contract to make the names on the contract and the IDs and for the bank all match up. So it's a lot of very minute, detailed work that that you're involved in. Correct. Uh, As representing a purchaser or seller, there is a lot of detailed, minute work that is involved. And I understand from you that even if someone has tickets, whatever kind of uh, traffic tickets or red light tickets, that can somehow affect the purchase as well. How is that? Yes, as we all know, living in Nassau and Suffolk counties in the city, we have red light tickets. And while they say it doesn't go against the individual, it always against the car, it does go against the individual because the car is registered to an individual's name. And, uh, and if you don't pay the red light ticket, a judgment, a lien will be filed with the county where you live. And then when they run that title search that we mentioned before, it will pop up or it will show that there's a judgment against you. And now we have to clear that by paying it. And that takes time too, right? And now that's another slowdown in the process and delaying, potentially delaying closing. And now we're going to segue to our segment called Only on Long Island. Something you see on Long Island, which relates to, in this case, real estate. So what do you see on Long Island, Ken? What we're seeing on Long Island, I'm going to refer to on foreclosures. Foreclosures on in Nassau and Suffolk counties um, we're taking three four five six seven years I have one file that is nine years old right now however there's an irony because I've had some new files which have gone from the beginning of the foreclosure process to the end which what I mean by the end is a sale of the house on the steps in approximately 23 months 
So in giving advice to clients now, we, we have to be very careful, not that we're always careful, we're always careful in terms of time frames because clients always want to know, how long do I have? And that's become even more difficult to answer in these, in these times. But it sounds like in Nassau and Suffolk counties, the time period for the mortgage foreclosure from beginning to end is one-third or one-half of the time that it used to be, meaning it's, it's moving along faster. There are definitely files which are moving along much faster. And is there anything else you want to tell our listeners, Ken? If someone has a real estate question regarding buying or selling a residential piece of property or a commercial piece of property or a foreclosure or to defend a foreclosure or what we say buying a short sale, feel free to call me and I'll answer your questions for no charge. Okay, very good. And uh, Ken's credentials and, sh- and contact information are in the show notes, so be sure to see that. And that's it for our 46th episode. Thank you, Ken Henry, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, please rate us with a review that might start. It started on February 14th, 2020, that Suffolk County's boot and tow program is being now being enforced. If you have $300 in fines or three unpaid parking tickets in Suffolk County, your vehicle will be booted unless your car is parked in a private driveway. So if this applies to you, beware and park. Park your car in your driveway and not on the street or in a parking lot. If fines are not paid by 48 hours after the boot is applied, your car will be towed and you will have another $350 fine. Also be aware that Suffolk County does not allow a payment plan. The LA Law Podcast informs you about everything Long Island. We are your source for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.